Music is much more than a form of entertainment. It can help people through a variety of life's challenges, including physical and mental illness. But it can also have an impact in the classroom. Enter Education Through Music, a program that works with inner-city schools here in New York. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. My guests this week are Heather Barnes, an Education Through Music instructor at PS23 in the Bronx, and Nick LaFleur, the Deputy Director of Programs at Education Through Music. Heather, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. And Nick, thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. So Nick, let's start with you. What's the mission of Education Through Music? Education Through Music partners with inner-city schools to provide music as a core subject for all children and utilizes music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Currently, 59% of schools in New York City do not have a full-time music teacher on staff. Many schools do not have a music program whatsoever. So there's a huge need. And what we do is, we call it, you know, building because we're sort of starting from the ground up. And we bring the music teacher in. We do a lot of work with the uh, leadership at the school, the principal. We work with parent communities. We work with academic teachers to really attack it from all angles and make it part of the school culture and reintroduce it to the school and uh, make it sustainable and so that every single child has a, a music program that is a core curricular part of their entire education experience. So is it largely a budgetary issue as to why not all schools have a music teacher? Well, I think it was a budgetary issue, uh, which explains why they don't didn't have them and why they got axed, because, you know, at a certain point, I think probably in the 70s with the budgetary problems, a lot of programs got cut. Um, at this point, you know, the barriers for a principal who wants to start a music program, you know, they often don't know where to begin or how to hire or what, how to supervise it, you know, what, how to support it. You know, they just don't know where to start, whereas they'd be more familiar, you know, if they're going to hire a math teacher, that's a little more straightforward. So we, what we do is provide that link and that support to help them understand how to build it and how to do it. Heather, tell us about your school. So I teach at PS23 in the Bronx. And this is the first year the school is having music. It's a new partnership with ETM. The kids are overjoyed to have music. Um, There's a lot of students with special needs. There's a lot of um, English language learners. It's predominantly Latino. Um, But the students are really excelling. I have to start from the basics with all grades. So what's the basics? So the basics are like keeping a steady beat, Um, the difference between high and low, fast and slow, and the the fifth graders, you know, even with the fifth graders, I try and find a sophisticated way to teach stuff like that because, I mean, they're 10. They're not in pre-K. The pre-Ks, they, they have fun doing like high, low, fast, slow. That's more of their speed. But the fifth graders, you know, once doing that pre-K stuff with the fifth graders can be a challenge. And it it does take a while to get them like, okay, this is this is the beat. You know, we got to keep it steady. We can't speed up. We can't slow down. And discussing things like tempo with them. But they're learning very fast. I have to say I'm very, very happy with the speed they're learning. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. They've, these kids have never, ever had music before. They've never sung. They've never played instruments. They don't know what a lot of the instruments are. So they're learning very quickly, and they're very excited. So... It makes me really excited. So how does learning music benefit a child in school? There's a lot of soft research and a lot of hard research to to back that up. What we know is that when children are involved in the activity of music making, whether they're singing or playing recorders or doing hand percussion and movement, 
um, or what, whatever the case is, and I'm talking about the general music um, situation, um, they, every part of their brain is, is active and firing. So they're, they're problem solving as they're listening, adjusting to the tempo, adjusting to the dynamics. They may be singing one part in the case of, say, fifth graders and fourth graders, where they do developmentally appropriate repertoire, which is two-part singing. They're singing their part. They're listening to another group sing a different part, but they're adjusting to it. Um, they may be playing or xylophones, as I said, recorders, um, or a variety of hand percussion. So there's, it's a multitasking situation, and every part of the brain is going, and it's just a wonderful developmental thing for children to be involved in. Aside from that, music really engenders the higher order thinking so that kids are, for example, in a typical ORF setting, which are... ORF is a, is a methodology, and it typically involves uh, wooden instruments, xylophones, and non-pitch percussion. Improvisation is a big part of that. Improvisation involves creativity. It involves synthesizing and problem-solving and working within a context where there are guidelines, but there is a certain amount of freedom for that improvisation. That is what we call the higher-order thinking skill, that creativity. So involving children in that kind of an activity is, teaches them to... Uh, do other things in life where they can transfer those skills into other areas. Heather, describe for me what you see going on in a child's mind that moment when maybe it just clicks for them. Yeah, so it's really exciting, the whole process. So I'll give you an example. This week, my third grade class was discussing quarter notes and eighth notes and quarter rest. So what I had them do was say a little nursery rhyme in rhythm, and they figured it out themselves. I'm like, okay, we're going to start with the rhythm. Think about the rhythm. So teach us that now, because I don't even know about these notes. Okay. (laughs) So the way I go about it is the first step is we've been doing this for the whole year. I know we've only been in school for about 40 days, but they're moving really, really fast. So I had the rhythm on the board, and it was... They do rhythmic syllables. So, for example, the rhythmic syllables were ta, ta, ti, ti, ta. A ta is a quarter note, and ti, ti's are eighth notes. So they're they're obsessed with that. They love doing it. So once they came in the classrooms, they saw the rhythm on the board, and they're like, before we even started, they're like, ta, ta, ti, ti. I'm like, okay, everyone relax. So they figured out the rhythm immediately. We clapped it. We did a bunch of times so they can get it in them. And then I finally put the text to the to the nursery rhyme under the rhythm, and it was called Chick Chick Chatter Man. So they said the text a couple times, and then after that we discussed what was happening in the text, which we can apply to ELA. Are there two people speaking? Is there one person speaking? In this text there was a buyer and a seller, so I had one person, one group, like the boys were the buyer, the girls were the seller, they switch, whatever. We spoke about what was happening within the poem. How can we make it more interesting? Which discussed orchestration. Should we add a, a hand drum at one point? Which also discusses timbre. Um, and then, finally, I taught them some body percussion that went with it. So body percussion is snapping, clapping, patting, um, stomping. And we did the body percussion by itself. We d- went back to ta and titi. The body percussion was very simple. So it was stomp. Pat, pat, stomp, clap. So ta, ti, ti, ta, ta. And they got it. And then it was time to put it together. And they were like, whoa. (laughs) And I did it myself. 
and you know when I do it they're like oh that's easy I can do it I can do it yeah and then once I told them like you really have to focus for this and we did it a bunch of times and by the end of the class their faces were just like I got it I'm doing body percussion in rhythm steady beat I'm saying this nursery rhyme they were so excited the general uh, teachers came to me and was like, they're still they're still saying it in class. It's like, enough. <laughs> we have to discuss math now. But it's really exciting to see them just their eyes brighten up like, oh, I got it. Even though it's really slow and it's going to take some time and it took us 45 minutes to get there. Once they got there, they were just like, let's do another one. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really, really exciting. It's one of my special need classes, my self-contained. They almost made me cry at the end of class because they just all just were able to get it. All eight of them just at the end of class, they all were able to say the rhythm, um, say the nursery rhyme and do the body percussion at the same time, which is really, really incredible to me. So I'm really happy. (laughs) It comes through. (laughs) It does. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things we do is that we when we teach music, we're teaching content knowledge. We're teaching musical skills um, in, in other words, creating music, being able to sing, play, tap, percussion, all those things. And we're also teaching musical literacy, which is what Heather's talking mm-hmm. about as well. As it was, it's, all, it's all mixed in together. Mm-hmm. But, so there's also a notational aspect to that. So while they're learning those practical skills and that content knowledge, they're also learning musical literacy, learning how to read, in this case, rhythmic notation at a fairly simple level. But that progresses in the right. curriculum as yeah. we move mm-hmm. up in years. I was going to ask you the question, Nick, how does this all translate into better academic performance in other areas of school? Well, there's um, there's different measures that we look at, um, and you know that is part of the mission is to help students be better lifelong learners, more engaged in school, and and support the academic achievement. And um, starts with attendance. You know, you can't teach a child if they're not in school. So making school, uh, giving them a better experience, is 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 a piece of that. Um, we often talk about the I mentioned the higher order thinking. We also talk about the transferable skills. And so that's where the support of academic achievement in other areas really comes in. So um, Heather referred to that because um, you're reading you know, when you look at musical notation, you know, you're going from left to right. So mm-hmm. it supports those early literacy skills in in ELA or English language arts, um, but in in many other ways as well. So if you th- imagine looking at a musical score, so within that score you have terminology which, you know, relates to the tempo and the feeling of the music and different instructions they give uh, for the performer. You're looking at the musical notation. And so it's it's very complex. It can be considered a rather complex text so that um, it's also going left to right. You are looking at um, the direction of the musical line. You're looking at the density of how many performers or how many instruments are playing at the same time. So it's essentially a, a type of a bar graph. So when students are in science class, for example, if they're analyzing something on a horizontal bar graph, you know, elements will begin and end at a certain time. At certain times, things are more dense. So that information transfer um, is very similar to what happens when you read a musical score. So that's, that's just one example of how that, that processing can be transferred into other subject areas. Do test scores reflect that in schools that have music education? Oh, oh yeah. We, uh, education through music has an evaluations department. And we've done a lot of work over the years to identify exactly what impact our music programs have on the schools. And so and when we compare to similar schools, comparison schools, uh, in the same districts, same populations, 
you know, those that do have our program and then those that don't. The ELA and math scores uh, are higher over time, you know, the, with uh, the ETM or the Education Through Music schools. So, it, you know, there are other variables that go into that, but this is based on programs that have been in existence for, um, I don't remember the exact number, but a certain number of years. Uh, you know, the first year it may not have that impact, but as you move forward in time and you've had a program for three, four years, you see the difference. Heather, are you noticing a difference in your students there at the school when they enter other classrooms? They are doing better than they were before. That's, yeah, absolutely. So I actually just had a conversation a couple weeks ago with one of the te- the fifth grade teachers. And in the fifth grade classes, we were discussing quarter notes and eighth notes and um, 16th notes. And I broke it down like math. You know, a quarter note is the whole pizza pie. The eighth notes, it's still a whole pizza pie. The pizza pie is just cut in half. And the 16th notes, still a whole pizza pie, which the pizza pie represented the beat. So it's still a whole pizza pie, but we're dividing it into four sections now. So four slices of pizza. And once they, one of the uh, fifth grade teachers came to me during lunch and told me, you know, we're actually discussing multiplication now in class and one of the students raised their hand and said yeah music we were discussing pizza and we split the pizza up for tt and we split it up in four ways for tika tika so it's even on basic levels like that it's that was literally a math lesson in music class um that same class we did a compare and contrast venn diagram um and we um, compared two selections of music And we discussed what instruments are in this piece, what instruments are in this piece, what's the same. So it was a Charlie Parker piece, which they got introduced to Charlie Parker. And we discussed um, we discussed the live version and the recorded version. Um, The live version had a couple more instruments added to it. So we discussed that. Even in first grade, we listened to a piece of music today and we just which it was called Fossils from Carnival of the Animals. And it features a xylophone, and we discussed what fossils were. Why do you think the composer decided to feature a xylophone? If you were the composer, what instrument would you feature and why, which is critical thinking. So I always try and purposely add a segment from one of their subjects into music. There's another angle that we um, that we we focus on is that Education through music is looking for ways to help students be successful. So we talk about, you know, creating lifelong learners um, and being successful in life in general and giving them the tools to do that. But for some children um, in music, if they haven't had a music program before, when they get that exposure and have that opportunity, sometimes that's an area where they find success and that become it changes their whole orientation to school. When they, builds confidence, mm-hmm. it builds confidence, and it gives them a place where they can, um, you know, excel. And that's something that we, uh, propels them in other areas as well. You mentioned that a certain percentage of the students that are benefiting from this program are English language learners, and as we often hear, music is a universal language. Mm-hmm. Does this help to bridge gaps even between students of different backgrounds? Would you say bringing them together through music in a classroom? Well, absolutely. I mean, um, our students, every student in every school that we're in, and we're, we have approximately 30,000 students in our programs who we see every week, um, that equates to about a million contact hours per year. Um, so we spend a lot of time with our students, and 
one of the things they do is uh, two performances each year. So every child performs typically in a December concert and end of the year. And um, we, uh, the repertoire that we sing is age-appropriate. It's diverse. We're singing songs in different languages. It's a very inclusive situation, and we do that intentionally because we know that, especially in New York City, we have people from everywhere, and we have cultures from everywhere. And we want to make sure that what we do is something that children obviously can relate to and be engaged in. And so we, we try to make give it that diversity so that children have that sense of community and being part of it. I've noticed this more in my pre-K classes. There's a lot of English language learners. I mean, they're in pre-K, so they really are just like, what? When the whole class is clapping a beat, a steady beat, you know, I have one, one of my pre-K students. He is the only one. We don't understand what each other is saying. <laughs> He's speaking <laughs> Spanish. I'm speaking English. And we're just like, what? But he will clap that beat. And it will be so steady. And I'm just so impressed. When I turn on music, I tell them to move to the music. So if the music is slow, you got to move slow. If it's fast, move fast. It's, it's a feeling thing. And he gets it. And, and levels the playing field for those children right. that maybe um, not you know up to speed with their English language skills, but in the music class, when you're singing songs and doing activities in music, mm-hmm. you know, you, everyone really has the same shot at being successful. No doubt it's important to engage parents in their children's education. Does this program also work to do that as well, to make sure parents are engaged in music education? Yes, that, you know, engaging the parents is so crucial because, you know, we say that, uh, you know, the, the most important person in a child's education is the teacher who's in the room with them. That's the person who can teach them. It doesn't matter if they don't have brand new textbooks or what color the school is painted, but that teacher that spends that time, that determines a child's success. Um, after that, the parent is absolutely the most important person in a child's educational life. And when that parent puts an eff- emphasis on education and lets the child know that it's important, then the child will succeed much more. We do uh, workshops with our parents Um, at all the schools that we're in. Um, Of course, the concerts themselves are huge um, community engagement uh, events. And and through our ensemble programs, Education Through Music does uh, band programs, uh, concert band, traditional instrumentation, as well as string orchestras with traditional instrumentation. And when we we launch a program, and there's a huge piece of recruitment and engaging parents in that as well. So, Nick, talk to us more about the process of how you get someone like Heather into a school in New York City. Well, um, we probably interview, um, well, I'll just say a very large number of music teachers So every year. And we, we really have a, a pretty thorough and rigorous uh, vetting process. Um, teachers uh, do demo lessons. They submit their resumes, of course. Um, they do demo lessons. They have interviews. We put them through a whole series of steps. Um, and, um, you know, we we get students who, um, I guess, in Heather's case, certified in New York State, all ready to go. She's been got her bachelor's degree in music education, and she's this is a really a career step for her. We have teachers from outer state, typically with out-of-state certification, who have, you know, come to New York um, and are looking for a way into the into the system here. And we're able to capitalize on, on that population because um, they're not ready to get hired directly by the DOE. So we are that conduit, uh, that stepping stone that can set them up. And then, you know, part of what we do, not only building the music program, um, but also 
taking into account where that teacher is going in their career and helping them uh, helping them move forward um, and get them certified and get them hired by the DOE. That's our long-term plan is that the teachers that we place in schools are hired um, directly by the Board of Ed after the program is up and running, and that principal is has the confidence to do that. And how do you determine which schools you are going to be working with? Well, we, um, you know, Typically, um, we have principals come to us who have heard of our program through their own networks, word of mouth, other principals typically. Um, and and we, we take requests sort of all year long. People get in touch with us and, and let us know they're interested. You know, we, we grow really as fast as we can at this point. So um, we're in a huge strategic growth phase right now with our organization. Um, for example, last year we were at 46 New York City schools. This year we're at 57 New York City schools. Um, you know, and we're we're expanding our organizational capacity at the same time. So there's really no limit, other than the, just the you know being able to grow fast enough to accommodate the needs. Because as I said, with only 59 with 59 percent of students in New York City not having a full time music teacher, you know, if you do the math, it's like okay, so there's what like 400,000 kids with no music program, um, and so so there's that huge need, and that's what we're here to fill. So, um, you know, we, we'll partner with every school we can. I guess it's on a first-come, first-served basis. You know, we still have schools coming to us now, and, you know, and we'll do our best. But it does, you know, it depends on some budgetary things, but also depends on finding the teachers to, uh, to staff those positions, which is not always easy. That said, are you largely looking to work with schools in higher needs areas? Virtually all the schools that we, that we serve are Title I um, high needs areas. So... Um, you know that's that's typically our target, and those are often the schools uh, that don't have you know the full service and often don't have a music program. Now I'm looking at your numbers. Ninety percent of the students that you work with qualify for free or reduced price lunch. That's correct, and that's based on economic you know um, information, economic demographics, and things. I know my school; it's a hundred percent of the students. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, so they all are either, I think it's all free lunch um, because of their economic status. I don't even think it's reduced. I think it's just all free. What road led you to music education, Heather? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, my family was always involved in music. Um, A lot of my aunts play instruments. My mom sings. More on my mom's side, not really my dad's side. And I tried to, I was always in band and chorus in high school, middle school. I've been playing clarinet since the fourth grade. Um, I was in high school band, middle school band, chorus. I always took some type of music class. I sang with my aunts in church and everything. And once I got to high school and I was in uh, kind of like an advanced music class, I realized through my high school teacher that you know, I kind of want his job. It looks cool. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he has a blast every day. You can tell he really loves it. And I tried to just picture myself like just having fun at work every day. You know, I want to have, I want a job that I have fun. So I went to my parents and I actually told them I wanted to go to school for music performance at first. And they were like, "Uh." my dad was an accountant. So he's kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) But, um, you know, then I explored the option of music education. I was like, you know, my my teacher in high school, he seems like he's having a blast. He is still performing. Every I I, st- I consider myself a performer still every day with these students. And so I spoke to my teacher, and I ended up going to school for music education at Adelphi University. And once I really 
got into it, I really did fall in love. And once I started observing other music teachers and student teaching, I I just, I don't even feel like it's a job. I feel like my days truly do fly by because I am really, especially once they get it, I really am enjoying I'm making music all day long. <laughs> I have like the coolest job ever. And I'm, the kids want to be there. Uh, I don't really get too much attitude from them. They're, they want to play instruments. They want to sing. They're ready. So it's just like... You know, it's great. It's a break for them from their from their coursework, you know, and they're still learning. So we play games, instruments, we sing. I mean, I, it's awesome. <laughs> How did you find out about education through music? I actually found out about the program um, through a friend. I was living in Ithaca. I just moved back from Ithaca in June. I went to Ithaca College for a music performance, vocal performance, and I was looking for a job here in the city, but I was having some trouble I was going on a bunch of interviews. Some of them I got. I didn't really... A lot of them, though, I felt like we just didn't connect. And then my friend, um, who also is a music teacher, not through ETM, but she knows about the program. She was like, you should try ETM. I, she told me, she gave me the website. I researched. I asked around. And I crossed my fingers. It looked very competitive. And I you know, was like, I'm not going to get this. But at least the, the worst they can say is no. So I crossed my fingers, I sent in my resume, and they were like, we want to meet you. <laughs> and then I actually found out on my birthday that I got the job, and I was in Thailand, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I got to say, you know, there's nothing better than enjoying your work, and I think you clearly hear that in the way Heather explains what she does. But it's an enormous amount of work. Um, a music teacher, mm -hmm. in Heather's case, and in, in most other cases, they see every child in the building on a weekly basis. So, you know, whatever that ends up being, 400, 500, yeah. 600 students on a weekly basis, that's a lot to prepare for, and that's a lot of grades to give, and mm -hmm. that's a lot of kids to know. <laughs> and students of varying ages yes. as well. Varying ages. Yes. <laughs> right. We see everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a huge task. And um, so I just, wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. You know, it's not all fun and games. I mean, it can be maybe when it's at its best it is right. <laughs> with the learning, you know, blended into it. And I think, you know, that's what we strive for. But it, it is an enormous amount of work. And Heather, while she's having a great time, I know she's working really yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. And not only about the we see every grade. So I see in my school, I have pre-K through fifth grade. And not only am I making individual lesson plans for each grade every week, but I'm also trying to make lesson plans for like say there's a self-contained first grade class, that's an extra lesson plan for that specific class or, you know, a special needs fourth grade class. So while I'm making lesson plans for each class, I'm also trying to adapt those lesson plans and change them a little bit so that those with this, with special needs can be successful rather than pushing, you know, well, all the first graders are learning this. So even the self-contained and the special needs, we all everybody's I can't do that you know they're not going to feel successful so I try and adapt all of my lesson plans to the specific class so it is a lot of work mm -hmm. but once you actually live through the lesson plan it's like okay I wrote this lesson plan on Sunday but now we're actually doing it and it's a blast so if there's a music teacher listening right now who wants to get involved how do they go about that well we'd love to have them visit our website at etmonline.org and uh, they can follow the follow the path. It'll say become a music teacher, and they you know they follow the clicks, and they can submit their application right through our website. Are you yourself musically inclined, Nick? Oh yeah, I I've taught music for a long time, uh, more earlier in my career, and I've done some performing and some traveling. Been to Thailand too. Matter of <laughs> fact. <laughs> Anything else either of you would want to add? 
I guess all I want to add is that um, you know the education through music is is all about um, you know we often say we want to put ourselves out of business when we go into a school and and go into a partnership. You know, it's a non-negotiable that we see every single child in the building, and that's where the that's where all the adaptations for special needs come in because we will not partner unless we're serving all students. Um, and you know, ultimately, what we would like to do is, I say, as I say, put ourselves out of business because in every single time that we partner with a school, the game plan and the blueprint is that we build the program, and then that principal hires the music teacher so that there is a. A, a music program you know, in perpetuity at that school, and that's a permanent part of the school, and it's a self-sustaining situation. Um, we've got a lot of work cut out for us because in New York City, as I said, there's a lot of kids who don't have that. So we would love to see um, all the music teachers that um, hear this to uh, get in touch and apply through our website because um, we would love to have you join join what we do in our mission to serve uh, the children of New York City. I'm hoping it can get through to more schools in New York City because I know that the students are having such a fabulous time in my school. I, I can only imagine the schools that have had it for three and four years. So Heather, yeah. thanks so much for coming thank in. Thank you. Nick, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Nick LaFleur is the Deputy Director of Programs at Education Through Music, and Heather Barnes is an Education Through Music instructor at PS23 in the Bronx. For more information about Education Through Music, visit etmonline.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Caroline Rotante, and thank you so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUVHD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.